Sometimes the greatest love is not found in the dramatic scenes that poets and writers immortalize often. The greatest manifestation of love are the simple acts of kindness and caring, which we extend to those we meet along the path of life. And that's Elder Joseph B. Worthlin. Aloha. Thank you for joining us once again this week. And if you're new, welcome. This is LDS Real People, Real Lives podcast, and the episode this week is about love. I thought with Valentine's Day being on Sunday, love would be a great topic. I did some research and found a lot of great information um, in the LDS Gospel Library app, and I was surprised to find as much as I did. It was uh, a great journey to have. I do have a wonderful interview coming up this week with Kim and Linda Allen, talking a little bit about their love story and um, how they feel about the command that comes from Jesus Christ to love one another. So thanks again for joining us. I had a wonderful collaboration with my very good friends, Kim and Linda Allen. They've actually been on the podcast before. I've had them on in a couple other episodes. And the reason why I continue to tap into them is because they have so much experience and and wisdom. Um, You know, they have a lot of faith and they've served quite a bit within the church. And I think that they have a wonderful story to share. Um, Again, with Valentine's Day coming up, I thought it would be a great opportunity to do an episode on love, not necessarily on Valentine's Day per se, but just love in general. Uh, So when I say aloha, aloha is a Hawaiian hello that is filled with love. I have never heard anybody say aloha and not felt the love when they said aloha. Um, and that's the love that I have for you listeners. I, it's amazing because when you do work for the Lord, which of course I do consider this missionary work in my own way, um, we're given opportunities to feel the love that Christ has for, uh, each of us here on earth. And when we do that service, we can feel this, uh, affection and, and love for people that we don't know very well. And with you guys, I don't know you at all. I know a few of you. Um, But again, when we serve the Lord and we have a desire, and I do have a desire to help to reclaim the lost sheep and to help the ones that are kind of sitting on the fence um, and to also help those who are actively engaged in the gospel and maybe struggling with understanding of a, a teaching or a doctrine Um, or whatever the case may be. I know a lot of us in these latter days have very, very tough, challenging, hard lives. And so I thought it would be great to be able to use the gospel to find peace and comfort in our lives. So their interview will be coming up a little bit later. I did use a talk um, that I found in the LDS Library app. And um, it's by a gentleman named David Dixon. And he shared quite a few quotes from uh, Wendy Nelson, President Nelson's wife. And I thought this was just a great way to talk about love and kind of the gospel take on it. 
Um, She says, sharing love doesn't have to be reserved to just this one day of the year. And I totally agree. But just like my birthday or Christmas or Thanksgiving, I love Valentine's Day because it is a day that's set aside for couples, uh, you know, who want to have a day specifically for that and do special things for each other. Um, I know that now Jed and I have been married for about 10 years, so it's, it's good to have these days that we can really spoil each other and be there for one another and really express our love. Um, and it just goes to show that maybe we need to be doing this more often. Now I have had moments in my adult life where I've been single. Valentine's day wasn't too fun for me, but my dad stepped up to the plate and he made Valentine's day for me every year that I was single special by giving me very sweet loving cards and then flowers or candy he just made me feel like i was the only girl in the world and i really appreciated that my dad did that for me um but you know i think the church's take on it at least the doctrine of christ is that you know he commands us to love one another and um, love is the center of the gospel family is the center of the gospel And we can really look at this as an opportunity to maybe refocus or take stock of what we're doing in our daily lives to be that reflection of love that can come from the Savior uh, to touch people's lives. And it doesn't have to be these big grandiose gestures. It can be just these small imperceptible gestures like opening the door, smiling at somebody, saying have a good day, or even if you're driving, letting the person come in in front of you who's trying to, instead of not making space for them. It can come in so many different forms. And that's what I love about the gospel, as it teaches us that love is infinite, and that we, each of us, can give love in so many different ways to starting with loving ourselves, loving our significant others, loving our children, loving our siblings, um, and then loving extended family, loving our ward family, um, learning how to love people that you just don't know, people that you come across at work or you know shopping out in the community. And um, I think that we really need more love in the world, especially right now. Um, Here in the United States, there's been a lot of division, both politically and just um, an ideology, really. And uh, I think that if we all practiced a little bit more love and the way that we interacted and spent time together or how we, you know, had these uh, moments where we came in touch with one another, uh, that we could do more good and maybe spread more joy too at the same time. Um, Sister Wendy Nelson once described a large group of church members and on Valentine's Day, they just had a difficult time um, because everybody has different circumstances and situations. Um, So depending on the individual or the circumstances, it can be both wonderful and miserable. And so here again, I wanted to focus more on the love aspect, but she goes on to say that, um, and this is a quote from Sister Nelson, our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ want us to feel the love they have for each of us. And the Savior says to you and to me, 
If you love me, keep my commandments. And that's John chapter 14, verse 15. Sister Nelson, she's awesome. I don't know if you guys have spent time trying to get to know her. There's a lot of information about her, her personal life and the things, how she lives and things that she's involved with. And she just, whenever I see her, her smile, she always comes across very motherly and very loving and kind. Um, But most of all, she has a lot of faith. She's like a mountain of faith. And when she thinks of love, she quickly elevates it um, beyond romance as looking at it as our Heavenly Father and Christ want us to feel that love that they have for each of us. And they do. Um, If you have a patriarchal blessing, please whip that out. You know, read it on a regular basis. Um, I read mine again today and, you know, it did remind me that how important it was for them that I understood how much they loved me. And when you really believe in, and lay hold upon the word, it can be powerful and it can be used in your life. You know, that belief just changes the game and you can do so much good work. Sister Nelson goes on to say, what a wonderful Valentine gift we can give to our Heavenly Father and our Savior as we humble ourselves and open our hearts to receive their love and as we keep the Lord's commandments. And I love her take on Valentine's Day um, because you know what? She's really teaching us that we don't need to have a contrary attitude about what I call V-Day, that we can look at it in a way where we can take time to give love back to our Heavenly Father and our Savior and focus on them to keep the commandments and show to them how much we love them. Because true love, Christ-like love, has little to do with chocolates or wrapped presents. And it's it's definitely within reach for us all. So Sister Nelson shared an experience or an example that she had of true love, which left a, a permanent impression you know, on her mind. And she mentions that she once came across a general conference talk by Elder Worthlin, who I quoted earlier, and he was an apostle and he spoke on charity or the pure love of Christ. And Elder Worthlin began by quoting Jesus's teaching that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love our neighbor. Of course, these scriptural accounts We've heard them time and time again before. Um, And she says always for her that the level of Christ-like love had seemed somehow beyond reach. And I know that I've felt that way too. How do we give Christ-like love? Um, When I'm so egregiously imperfect. And that's what she says. How could I, plain old me, ever love as purely or as effectively as a savior. And it felt like an impossible goal. But Elder Worthland described an elderly couple who had been married for many, many years, and the wife grew unable to care for herself fully, including being able to paint her fingernails. And this cracked me up when I read this because I will share a story afterwards. Um, So the husband decided to paint them for her simply because it made her smile. And Elder Worthland declared that that is an example of the pure love of Christ. Again, it doesn't have to be these big, grandiose gestures. Of course, those are nice, 
but it truly is by small and simple means that we bring about the good works of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so again, we're not talking about, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead or healing the blind. It was just a quiet act of kindness, and that's considered the pure love of Christ. And that's something each of us can do. When I read that story, it just made me laugh because my mom, as she's getting older, um, she can't really paint her toenails anymore. And one time she asked me to do it, and I said emphatically, no way, because I don't like feet. (laughs) I think feet are gross. And um, it never... I could never forget her response to that and the look on her face. And you know what? I'll admit she kind of brought it up a time or two after that, reminding me of my lack of love and care for her and and her needs and really just trying to understand that that was important to her. And you know what? She was right. Um, As time has gone on, I've realized if I could take it back and go back to that time, I would paint her toenails because I do love my mom and I want to help her in any way I can so I can express that love for her. She definitely deserves it. Elder Worthland continues saying, Sometimes the greatest love is not found in the dramatic scenes that poets and writers immortalize. Often the greatest manifestations of love are the simple acts of kindness and caring that we extend to those we meet along the path of life. Um, And it's so true. You know, if we could, when we go out and about, I know oftentimes when I'm out and I'm running errands, I'm just so hectic because there's always so much to do. And it's hard to remember to uh, pay attention and to be aware of what's going on and look for those opportunities. But I've made a promise to myself after doing my research for this episode that I will do better. And I will try to be more observant of the times that I can express love and kindness to those that are around me. Um, I definitely have been the recipient of many loving acts my whole life. I have goodly parents. Uh, I have wonderful brothers. I've had very good friends and we've got a good family. We're there for each other. We support one another. We're ride or die and we love each other wholeheartedly. And I'm grateful that Heavenly Father has given me a family where not only did I have the gospel that I was born into, but I also had lots of love. My grandparents just loved me too. Um, especially one grandma. She was my absolute favorite and it might have been because she spoiled me (laughs) because she did, but it's not just that. She was, she would take the time and she would play cards with me like cribbage and solitaire and play other games with me. Um, and she would actually make time for me and she would get down to my level and be one-on-one And that was her way of showing to me how much she loved me. You know, true love isn't glamorous or glittery. It's quiet yet powerful and it is available to all. When Elder Worthlin was giving this talk um, about love, he started to lose his physical stability. And I remember seeing this with President Monson at one of the general conferences. 
he was trying to hold out to give his full message and talk. And at the end, it looked like he was going to need some help. And this is what happened to Elder Worthlin to finish. He started to uh, have short breathing and his body began to tremble and his spirit was there and was totally in it, but his body was just starting to give out. And right when it, when it appeared that Elder Worthlin might not be able to finish, uh, President Nelson, who was then Elder Nelson, rose and stood quietly behind Elder Worthlin to make sure that he was there in case something happened. And for the next several minutes, President Nelson's silent presence was remarkable. He had a firm grip on Elder Worthlin's arm, another grip on his lower back, and President Nelson quietly personified the topic of discussion of Christ-like love. President Nelson did not take Elder Worthlin's struggles away. Did he do anything complex or dramatic? Nope, not really. But his love and concern for a friend and a fellow quorum member was palpable and the strength that he offered Elder Worthlin made all the difference in the world. True love occurs every time we try to make another's burden lighter. Earlier I mentioned this interview with my very good friends Kim and Linda Allen. They're a huge part of our conversion story and they have been like family ever since. So here they are. Welcome back, Kim and Linda. It's a pleasure to have you guys on the show. Thank you. Thanks. We appreciate it. Um, I didn't really want to do like a Valentine's Day episode, but with Valentine's Day coming up, I did want to do an episode about love and what the gospel teaches about love. So for those of you who don't know Kim and Linda, they are a huge part of our conversion story. Kim baptized Jed, and he actually married us too. Um, it was a really cool uh, ceremony that was done on the steps of our steakhouse here in Ventura. And it's through their friendship, really, and a family vibe that we have with them that has anchored us in the gospel. And we really appreciated their friendship and love. Uh, Jed and I are over the moon to have you guys be in our lives. And you're a huge part of the conversion for especially Jed. And for myself, you guys have been wonderful friends and anchors to us. And we really appreciate that. We love you so, guys. yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> There's lots of love here. Um, so, for the audience, can you please tell us a bit, you know, about yourselves? And we'll start with Linda. Well, um, I was very blessed to be able to come to the Pasadena area from Nova Scotia when I was young enough to still be in high school and meet Kim. Um, I met him at Pasadena High School. We were in Mrs. Clark's U.S. history class. <laughs> and um, I just thought he was cute. And so um, he became my high school boyfriend. And we just started dating. And we were 16. I think mm -hmm. we have been together just about ever since. Yep. Um, we got married when... Um, he had just turned 24 and I was still 23 when we got married. So we didn't get married right away, but okay. my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were um, only married 
a short while, like less a few months, maybe five months, something like that, a fireman um, that Kim worked with uh, was a member of the church. And back in that day, um, President Kimball was the prophet of the church. And he always would say, every member a missionary and, you know, uh, just do it, get out and do missionary work. And, yes. and a firefighter that Kim worked with. Um, he shared the, the gospel with Kim at work. And that's how we joined the church. But we just, we fell in love at a young age. And, uh, and you know, we, we uh, just really enjoyed being with one another. And we always talked really easily together. We became each other's best friends. And um, that's... and that's kind of where it went. It was, but we didn't get married right away because my parents were not happy in their marriage. Linda's parents were not happy in their marriage. And everybody around us seemed like as soon as you got married, it was the end of a happy relationship. So um, I was scared to death to get married. So right. that was why we didn't get married right away. It was my fault. I was just scared it was going to screw everything up. And, um, <laughs> and, and it didn't, you know, it just got, it right. just got better. So what a blessing. I think that's, that's kind of the attitude in the world still today is that when you get married, you're just doomed. Yeah. <clears throat> and yet the gospel teaches us the complete opposite, which I'm so grateful for. So I wanted to get a little bit into the details of how you guys fell in love. Kim, tell me, I mean, when did you see Linda and can you kind of step us through that experience and how you felt? Well, you know, I, I, I saw her first in my, you know, U S history class, like she said, and uh, she was sitting in the back of the class and I was sitting in the front. Um, and so I used to, as soon as the teacher would turn around, I'd get up and I'd walk to the back of the class and sit right in back with Linda. And, <laughs> and she was always, you know, catching me doing it and telling me to come back here. And, and so, but I just continued and I would walk her to class and I just became very infatuated with what a sweet, sweet girl she was. And that Christmas, um, after we met, um, I went down to a local jewelry store and I bought a little golden ring that had a heart on the top of it and it had a pearl in the middle of the heart. And, and, and on, on, <clears throat> on a Christmas Eve, uh, I gave it to her um, and I asked her to be my girl. And basically, <laughs> she's been my girl ever since. That's when I fell in love for the first time. Everybody thought it was just puppy love. But, you know, at 16 <laughs> years old, I was smitten. Yes. And you know what? When I see you, too, whenever you guys are together, it's so... I love how you guys are still so in love after all these years that you guys have been together and it's very evident in the way you guys interact. And I think you're such a good example to many of the couples um, that are in the ward too. Oh. Uh, and, and especially to me and Jed. Uh, oh. And we really appreciate that as we. Thanks. <laughs> Linda, can you tell me what was that feeling like when you saw Kim? I thought he was really cute and he was so tiny at that time and grown up <laughs> like our grandson Jack. He was real small, little 16-year-old. And I thought, oh well, he's not very big. I can handle him. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so but funny. I, that's awesome. I didn't know what a strong personality he has. Oh my gosh, he's just he's so opinionated. <laughs> spoken like a loving spouse can do <laughs> um so tell me when you guys met uh kim said he gave you a ring what happened in between those years when you guys met and you got married 
What were you guys doing? We weren't members of the church. So we, um, you know, I mean, we didn't have a lot of direction. And like Kim said, marriage just didn't seem like um, he, he wasn't comfortable. Um, so, you know, I mean, we did break up a couple of times and for short periods of time, yeah, dated other people dated for a little other bit people for other times. And then finally, um, when he got a job with the fire department, he got his first fireman job. And, and I just told him, I said, you know, we've been dating for a long time. I think it's been seven years at that point. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I, I want to, I want to get married and, you know, and I'll give you six months to think about it. <laughs> and I said, but you know, when we get to about the four month mark, I'm really hoping that you're going to be committed because I'll send out wedding invitations. And, you know, <laughs> don't embarrass me at the last minute. So, you know, you've got four solid months to think about if you want to do this. And, um, and, and I kind of tricked him into it because see, he, he thought, Oh, he said, yeah, we can get married. But he thought that was a long time away and I'd forget about it. But then I didn't. Well, then that I think, <laughs> Steph, that was that was one of the times in my life that I think the spirit spoke to me because I remember um, I was in the kitchen, you know, one one morning after I got off of work, I, I was in uh, in my kitchen and I was thinking about what Linda had said, you know, and she was basically good, give me an ultimatum. You know, either we get right. married or I'm going to, you know, or she's going to move on, you know, and I was like, I can't stand a loser. And I was thinking about it and I kind of had a little prayer in my head. I just kind of said, you know, God, you got to help me with this one. I don't know what to do. And I got a distinct impression that if you don't marry her, you'll be making the biggest mistake of your life. Of your life. And I yeah. made some pretty good mistakes <laughs> so far already, you know, I thought. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, and I think that was the first time that the spirit really spoke to me because I thought about that, you know, for the next few days, that's all I could think about was that answer I received after asking God, and, you know, yeah. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't get on my knees. I wasn't, it was just kind of like in my head, you know, and, and I think back to that now and I think what a blessing that was because when I really thought about it for those few days. The answer, the really the answer that I settled on was, I can't live without her. You know, I mean, yeah. I cannot live without her. And so this is something I need to do to keep her. And so, you know what, I'm going to go out on a limb. We're going to get married and hopefully it'll all work out. And it, and it, <laughs> it wonderfully did because soon after we got married, you know, the, the gospel came to us and that's what really made our marriage strong. That's what kept us together. That's what helped us to realize what, you know, what real love was about. So. And that's, that's what I love about the gospel is that the gospel, um, I think can do more for behavior changes or even the way that we kind of act towards each other, especially our spouses, our significant others. And so I wanted to ask you, what has the gospel taught you about love in your relationship? Oh my. Oh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah, I think back on all those years, that I took Relief Society classes and all the experiences of the other women. And I think that the gospel just really taught me that the number one thing with love is, is to look beyond yourself. And, and I had seen that in my own parents' marriage. My, my parents stayed together. They were married 64 years. 
But, you know, sadly, they didn't have the marriage they could have had if the gospel had been in it, in, in their marriage and in family. Right. They just didn't have that. And um, Kim's parents, they divorced late in life after being married over 35 years. They divorced. And so, you know, the gospel, I think, has just taught me that, you know, the longer you're in it, the more you understand Christ-like love and the more opportunities the gospel gives you to give that kind of Christ-like service to others and think beyond yourself, put yourself in somebody else's shoe and put them first ahead of you. And I, the world doesn't teach that. The gospel does. And that, I think, was the biggest thing that the gospel has done for us. Some of the things that when we've stepped outside of ourselves, we've done together. You know, it hasn't just been me doing it or him doing it. We do it together. Mm -hmm. um, we do everything together. Yes, we do. We basically do we everything do. together. We do everything together. Um, but I'm sorry. For, from someone who's on the outside looking in, uh, you know, Jed and I do everything together, too. And when we saw you guys doing everything together, we knew that we were, because you guys were the people that we looked to for an example. And we really appreciated that. <laughs> um, Kim, if I can just roll it back a little bit. When you said that you felt the spirit, did you recognize that it was Absolutely the spirit? Absolutely not. Didn't have a clue. Okay. And, and I felt it a couple of times after that. And it kind of scared me even, you know, so, um, you know, I really, I really did not know. So, so that, that was your education and how the spirit works. A, a little works. bit before, but it wasn't until after, you know, I started taking the missionary lessons that I, that I really recognized what that had been, you know? And so sure. when the missionary sure. started teaching me about the spirit and how to recognize his promptings, that's when I looked back on those experiences and I went, oh my goodness, you know, I was being taught before I was ever a member of the church. You know, this is what helped me to get to where I am. So the Lord, so the right. Lord knows us, whether... You know, whether a member of the true church or a member of any other or not a member of the church of any church, you know, the Lord, he loves you and he will teach you when when you come into those moments of your life. And if you're listening, you know, hopefully you'll be listening. We had a little hiccup there, but thanks for being patient with us, guys. Um, Kim and Linda, Christ has commanded us to love one another. Why do you think he gave us this commandment? Well, I mean, it's like he learned everything from his father and yeah. he is our perfect example, uh, Jesus Christ. And when he was here, that's all that he did was love. You know, everything that he did was based on love for others. Um, even when he was going through, you know, the atoning, the atonement, when he was going through, you know, the trials, the phony trials and, and the scourging and, and hanging on the cross, even then he thought about others. I mean, yeah. his love was always directed outwards. It was always for other people. And that's, and that's, you know, that's the basis of the gospel. It's all about love. And it's, and that's what we should emulate. We should strive to be like him and we should strive to love others around us. So. Most definitely. I've been reading a lot lately about um, what it's like on the other side of the veil. Um, we've got a Mormon or actually an LDS author that writes a lot of those books. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he said that when these people died and came back to life, the one thing that really struck them when they went through this tunnel is how much love was there. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
And I, that's what I love about this gospel is that it teaches all about that. And then the, you know, the other stories that we hear of people who have had these experiences just confirms all of that. Um, Linda, do you have, why do you think he gave us this commandment? He, he is all about love. Our heavenly father and Jesus Christ, both of them are all about love. That is central to them. And so they want it. It's important to them that it's central to us too. And what I found in my life is the more love you share, like love begets love. And the more you share, the more your capacity to love grows and your desire to love others grow. Um, the more you serve others, the more you love them. And it's just a, it's just a, a cycle. It's a good cycle. It just perpetuates. It is a cycle. And I really noticed that with the gospel is whenever you're active and you're, you're involved as the blessings are for those people that you're serving, but it seems to bless us greater too. Um, you know, Steph, if I could talk yeah. one thing in here. The, yeah. the first time I was called to be a young men's president, I remember talking to the bishop and saying, I was never a young man. You know, I mean, <laughs> I wasn't a member of the church. I don't know. I don't know what to do with these young men. Right. And he just smiled at me and he said, just pray and ask Heavenly Father to help you to love them. And yes. so that's what I did. And I grew to love those young men so much that I wanted to do nothing but help them in every way I could. And I remember when I was called to be bishop, I remember I came home and I was, I was a little shook up over the whole thing, you know, but I came <laughs> yeah. home and I got on my knees and I asked Heavenly Father, I said, you know, I feel like, you know, I've been in a lot of leadership positions and I love the members of this ward, but I received some really good instruction years ago. And I, I, I wish that that would help me to love this ward. And wow, I mean, that. Sometimes I'd stand up on Sunday and I'd be speaking to all of you and I'd look out at you and the mm -hmm. feeling of love for everybody in that ward was so great. Uh, it was hard to really comprehend, you know, that I could yep. love so many people so much and, but it comes, that's what comes yeah. when you ask for it. And when you accept positions that put you in that kind of a situation. I totally agree. I was called to be a seminary teacher I, I, and I never went to seminary when I was in high school. <laughs> yep. And um, it scared me spitless. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And so, if, you know, of course I hit my knees and I turned to Heavenly Father. And uh, all of a sudden, as the days went by, I started to develop this very fierce, intense um, affection and love for these kids. Yep. And that's why I love the gospel is when we do work in the gospel, you know, even missionary work, you were once the ward missionary leader, you've always been doing missionary work. Um, and we're blessed to feel love too. Yeah, that's that we're teaching people. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you because we are also taught to love our enemies. Do you guys have any thoughts on that or, or experiences with that at all? You know, that that's really a difficult one but it's one that we can all work towards, you know, but it is difficult. I mean, that's, that's something that's very Christ-like, but it's not something that's very easy for us here. But people that we think are our enemies sometimes are really not our enemies. Just circumstances have put us in situations where, you know, we're at 
ill at ease with each other to the point where, you know, we think that we're enemies. And if we right. remember that we're all brothers and sisters, you know, it helps us. And we don't know what their background is like. We don't know what caused them to do what they did. I know I got knocked out here in the street a, a few months ago. Uh, it was a bit of road rage. And the Ugh. young man, you know, the young man, when I was talking to him and trying to calm him down, he just flat knocked me out one punch. And and afterwards, I was really upset. And I thought, yes. you know, I, I should have I should have known he was going to do that. I should have fought him. I should have done this. I should have done that. And I even kind of looked for him around town. And And I thought to myself, you know, this is not doing you any good. This is making you angry. You don't have the spirit with you. You need to back off and pray about this. And I realized, you know, I started to feel that sorry for him because he was so angry and he would do that to somebody because he easily right. could have killed me. And he didn't, yes. he didn't even think about it, you know, and, and I thought, you know, the real sadness, I mean, is, I mean, I'm fine. I mean, I survived it just fine by the grace of God, but will he survive it? You know, right. where will he go from here? He's really the one that needs my prayers and he is really the one that needs help. And so um, that kind of taught me a little bit right there about, you know, how to love your enemies. That is a wonderful example. Of course, we live about, I don't know, seven or eight houses down from you. And we heard about that. We were absolutely shocked yeah. that that could happen. But that's a great example. And I think that's, you know, when you're really involved and you're all in in the gospel, it can change. It The gospel changes hearts. It changes you. And um, I know for me and my relationships, especially having ex-husbands, this really helps me to kind of come to terms with that and see it in a more, um, I would say like spiritual glasses versus temporal glasses. Yeah. If that makes sense. But, um, I so much appreciate you guys joining us on the podcast. I really do. You guys are wonderful friends and thank you for giving us your time. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime Steph for you, we do anything. (laughs) Thank you. Aren't they just wonderful? Very sweet. They do everything together. They're just a perfect couple. And um, they really have been an example to Jed and I of what type of uh, couple, you know, you can aspire to be within the gospel of Christ. Uh, You know, ultimately on Valentine's Day, it could be missing the point a bit with its focus on love during one specific day of the year. But um, we all need to give and feel Christ-like love every day. And that's a certain. We're all human beings and we thrive off of care and love and touching and affection. And each of us need it. Whether or not we're in a romantic relationship, as children of God, we each need love like we need food and air. It's just a necessity. Um, Elder Worthlin also taught and President Nelson demonstrated those strengthening, life-shaping acts of love don't have to be as mysterious or complex as I, you know, thought. If we're having a rough day, uh, a kind word from a friend can make all the difference in the world. Um, That's another example of Christ-like love. And so is a stranger holding open the door or letting you... Uh, in front of the line so you can check out quickly or if you're you know walking out to your car and you drop something they pick it up and bring it over to you it's all of these very simple simple ways that we can express love and kindness 
I know for me, what I do, especially to my ministering sisters, I definitely try to make sure that I'm sending them, um, you know, scriptures over text that are uplifting and motivate faith, motivate them to continue to endure. I try my best to be there for them, to listen to them and, and meet their needs. The women that I have, the sisters that I have are very, very independent, fiercely independent. And I respect that. I know what it's like because I'm like that too. Um, so I try to make sure that they know that I am here and I am willing to do anything that they need because I truly am. It's just me trying to share Christ-like love. And that's always in season. It truly is. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I can be reached on Instagram at LDSRPRLpodcast. And you can message me through DM. Or you can email me at LDSRealPeopleRealLives at gmail.com. All spelled out, LDS Real People Real Lives at gmail.com. And I hope the Spirit's been able to work with you today to uplift you, to edify you, and to speak to your heart in figuring out how you can impact others' lives around you or even people that you come in contact with um, that you don't necessarily know and how you can be a reflection of that Christ-like love. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and definitely stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. That's how we get the word out. And thank you so much for your continued support of this little podcast that we have here and for the love that you express when you reach out. I really, really, really appreciate it. And you know what? You guys are changing my life too. Much love and God bless until next week.